Welcome to DevSecOps Talk. Uh, today, episode is number three, and the topic is Docker security. And we're really keen on hearing Julian and his ideas and version and how you sort uh, the Docker security. Hi. Hi, Matthias. Hi. Uh, should I start uh, right now? You should start right now explaining Docker security for me so I can... I can make my dockers secure. Well, security is quite a vast topic. And uh, the reason is, is that security is not a feature. It's something that you build in. It's a design decision. Um, it's more like uh, it impacts the way people work and the user experience. So security is, is a very big name for that can englobe a lot of things. But when it comes down to containers, uh, let's talk about container security. Yes. Let's start from the beginning. What What is a container? I would say that there is two parts. There is the running container and there is the container image. Yes. And the container image is, let's simplify this as an archive or a zip or a tar file, mainly. Like this image is, is just the same as a file that sits on a disk somewhere. And so the container image, you can uh, as can be treated as any other files. So for instance, when you send an email, you can sign this email cryptographically to actually, so that the sender knows that the email hasn't been tampered with. Uh, exactly. You can do it. You can do, ex you can do the same with containers basically. And it works more or less the same with a GPG and all those, uh, you know, asymmetric encryption and, and all of that. It's, uh, it's quite a big, big topic. Yeah. There is a various um, algorithm to do signature and encryption. And I, I don't think uh, we will have time to go deep into those uh, in such a short, short amount of time. No, but what but, but you're meaning is right. You have the image and then you have the running container, but the running container is based on the image, right? Yes. You start an image, and that is then the running container. So it's important to to secure the image and, and what you put inside the image, because that is then going to be run when you run the container. Yeah, it's a it's a way to prove the authenticity of the of the container. Like you you know, uh, the same same gets uh, done for uh, releases. So for instance, I know that uh, Node.js. Uh, gets released and uh, all the developer needs to sign with their own private key the release that they build so that yeah. if you really want to check the validity of the of the code that is getting built you actually need to pull down the public key of the developer to verify and and build node.js and it it gets more secure that way like you have a yeah. proof or of, of origin for yeah but yeah, so what you're saying is when you build the image, uh, after the image is built, you, you sign it to verify that this is the correct image, and then you can take that image and run it. And when you run it, you know exactly what's inside. Exactly. No, I, I disagree here. You don't know what's yeah. inside, but you have uh, yeah. semi-guarantees that this image is what it's pretending to be. You're pretending to be, yeah. yeah. What, yeah. What you put inside it when you build it, right? Yeah, basically, I think the problem you are solving here is 
the trust within the cluster or whatever you are using to run containers. So yeah, yeah. you, in in most cases, at least for production, you might want to prevent people from just pulling random images from GitHub and running them in production. And <laughs> yeah, the, but if it are a trusted container on Docker Hub. Oh, how, how come it's trusted container on Docker Hub? Did yeah. you find the trust? <laughs> the trust level? <laughs> yeah, but they have this sign, right? They have this uh, trusted, official, let's call it, right? Mm, can, yeah, can I, I, I think there is a distinction uh, and there, there is different level of trust. Like who, who do you trust? Um, I, I think it's the same when you pull in a dependency from from any repository uh, or any language that you use, it's more like to verify the origin. And yeah. when you can verify the origin of something, the people can be accountable. Like you can prove that this belongs to them. And if they do something yeah. evil, they can be accountable for it. Now, that doesn't yeah. mean that, um, you know, as Andrea Andre pointed out uh, very clearly, that it, it doesn't mean that you know exactly what's inside. It's just that you trust the person who built it. Yeah. And this chain of trust is uh, very much like it, it's a real life example of how things are, are, are done. Like you, you trust other people for some part and you so that you can build on top of that and make it your own. And so other people can rely on what you build. And so you, you have this chain of trust from from the low level part to the higher level and the user experience. But let's address Docker Hub. I mean, yeah. there are might be different misconceptions about Docker Hub. On Docker Hub, you might have a different type of image repositories. And let's talk about, uh, we, we will just skip all the private ones, I mean, built by the private individuals, because yeah. those are completely unknown. We don't know really who they are. There are images built by organizations, like, for instance, Red Hat, CloudBees, whatever. And... Yeah. Uh, then you have at least a little bit more trust because you know this is the organization that rep that's represented here by its name. And, uh, but still, you're like building your trust based on the brand that you know. Still, you could pull the Jenkins image from the Docker Hub and run a vulnerability scan on it. And you would be surprised yeah. to find a number of CVEs in there. So, which means that... Um, level of uh, rigorness when it comes to the securing Docker image will be different for every company. So this is what uh, Julian says. You have to define your trust. You have to define who you trust. And building it on brand might be sufficient in one case, but it might be not in others. So it depends how sensitive your environment is. And uh, another thing is that there is still possibility of someone inside that organization doing something malicious by intent or maybe by mistake. So, yeah. and then you're just automatically getting that. I mean, there were a couple of examples where Node.js libraries were taken over by malicious parties on GitHub because maintainer doesn't really want to maintain it any longer and you are not protected yeah. from the same situation. And what we're talking about here is supply chain attack. So how do you yeah. protect yourself from supply chain attack? You pick and choose your supplier, so become supplier yourself, you know. I heard that the bigger organizations, they don't pull the, the jar files from Maven Central. They build their own from source to make sure that 
it's actually what it is. And the same we do here, you have the, the build engine that you trust, that you probably created yourself, and you have sources coming in that you inspect it in some way. And when it comes out, you're signing it on, saying that, well, I could put a little bit more trust on this because yeah. I know who built it, I know how it was built. And yeah, I'm, but that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's really hard. I mean, of course, if, if you do everything yourself, you know exactly what's inside, but then you have to build and maintain everything. I mean, if, if I'm running four different languages, I can't build and maintain them all. It's easier for me to grab the latest Node.js, Python, Ruby, and Java images from Docker Hub, and then I have my, my base, then hopefully, maybe they're all based on Debian, so Debian and then language. But somehow, I, uh, I need to trust Docker Hub and the image there to, to use. I think you can, there, there is a middle ground here. Yes, you, you can yeah. trust um, Docker Hub or whatever, because they, it's just a hosting platform. They don't do, yeah. you, you can pay for premium and get those, uh, what they call container analysis API. So that, that's yeah. a common, uh, every container registry now, almost all of them, uh, offer a way to scan for CVEs. So it's a execution vulnerabilities. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Can, you can actually, so, so now we, we come into the part where it's the running container. So yeah. what's, what's a container running? It's actually using the low level API of the Linux kernel to be able to uh, create his own uh, namespace for its process, have some uh, disk and uh, memory and you in networking. And so those low level APIs uh, are in a way virtualized in a container, which allows for more fine grained control. The thing is, you it's possible to break out like th those low level API are not really main, meant for isolation. So the funny thing is that the container does not contain things. <laughs> it's just abstract away. And yeah. so it's possible to run code and actually have access to the host that is running the container. And this is where the security, uh, the scanning of those vulnerability gets uh, important because it adds, I would say, a layer of assurance that, okay, the, the code that you're shipping, the code that is running doesn't contain at least too many vulnerabilities, which could an, an attacker could push, potentially exploit. Hmm. That, that's just one way. It, it, it's just there are many act, attack vector in the in the container world, and the, the thing is that um, they, they they're going back to reimplement and rethinking this uh, container idea because the, the container are convenient for for scaling because they, you can bin pack them and they they. It, they use uh, more resource more efficiently. So for data center, it's really a, a bargain because they, for the same hardware, they get to run a lot more application. But from a security perspective, it was not designed to be secure by default. It was designed to be convenient. And so you, you might have those, uh, those really uh, nice, uh, very lean image. And there's actually a, a project that I use a lot. It's called Docker Slim. I highly recommend you check it out. It's on GitHub, um, made by Kenneth. I, I don't, I don't remember the name of the author, but uh, really bright person. So Docker Slim is, uh, it takes your image 
and remove everything that is non-essential non to the application. Um, and so I, I tried with a, a Maven application. So from 600 megabyte, I went to 140 megabyte. Oh, and what, what's left is that uh, you don't even have you know, all the bash and all the, the things, you, you just have the, the raw, the bare minimum for your application because, you know, if you ship the latest uh, or node version of Debian, let's say, for instance, you, you might run into CVEs that uh, have been patched into the latest version, but in those older versions, they are still exploitable. So now you end up with a container running in production with a, uh, a vulnerability. And as you said, it takes time to rebuild and maintain all those base image. And this yeah. uh, this, this process had another another time consuming constraint on the pipeline. And you might, you know, checking everything all the time takes a lot of resource. And no, so- Julian, I, I interrupt you right here. Yes. Hold, hold your thought for a second. Matthias, okay. since, we have a, since we have a possibility now to have a show notes, yeah, exactly. Let's add Docker Slim to the show notes. It's, I will, it's I will. even have a website. It's dockersl.im. And uh, it's easy Googleable. But what I wanted to say is that uh, when it comes to CVE scanning, there are actually two things. Yeah, first, the most registrars offer you scanning of the packets installed on the system. So yeah, that's yeah. the way it works. So you push it to registry, registry will unpack your image file in one way, and then it will see what type of packets do you have in, uh, in an image, what packets do you install, what the packets you have pre-installed, and then it will flag if you have CVE. So for instance, what you could do is, if you don't want to pay Docker Hub, but you really want to use something on Docker Hub, and for instance, you are in AWS, right? SCR, Elastic Container Registry, offers a CVE scanning of the, the images, which works actually pretty well. So you, would, you could pull from Docker Hub, push to ECR, and then uh, at least you will have a scan and you will know what type of issues you run, you're running into with this image. And then you could also limit your orchestrators to pull only from ECR, at least in production and development probably you want to be more elaborate. But then there is a second part to this. So the repository or image scanning, it doesn't actually scan source code as far as I know. Usually for source code, you would use something else. You would use tools like Sneak or some byte source or whatever it is. Yeah. Something, some, something that would scan actual source code of the program. And that yeah. probably will be depend very dependent to the actual application you're running or like the language you've chosen there probably will be a tool for every language and then you have to do separately yeah i i think i also seen uh, those uh, cva scanner on other cloud provider i think they're great and we use anchor which is i think the base for these cv scans uh, what what i've been thinking and what, what i realized more and more is that in the old days as you say old days you have your OS level and you have the application and you can patch uh, the OS, you patch Nginx for example no. without interfering the application but now in the Docker I'm merging Nginx with the application, that means that my Docker or my app also becomes 
into the the nginx patch cycle so if it becomes a new version of nginx i need to rebuild my docker as well so you're getting two sources into my docker i get the os level like the, the, there was operations before and i get the app level uh, and, and as we started to see i mean we have good scanning tool for them both but but you need to combine them in the docker to make sure that what you put inside the docker is, is safe hmm. i actually take back what i said so okay <laughs> so like what? with a <laughs> with a container register you scanning for cvs that holds true yeah. But then with other tools out there right now, they're mostly scanning the libraries you are using. They're not scanning your source code itself because your source code itself is kind of unknown. You can apply linters, but it's quite hard to find security issues by just linting and running. Yeah, I've seen tools scanning the source code, but they do default things and can look for... uh, Easy targets. Yeah, I mean, exactly. not, but most of the tools like Snook, uh, Dependabot yeah. on GitHub, and uh, many others, they take your language and then they would yeah. look for the library file, find some gem yeah. file or not JS dependency file or requirement.txt for Python, whatever you got there. And yeah. then they're going to see what you got in there. And, yeah. and if any of those programming language packages, packets or yeah. libraries have an issue, then they will flag those. So again, you are protecting yourself from supply chain attack, but there is still a known component for your own source code, which you need to somehow lint. Yeah. But, and, I mean, we, we can do all this, but if, if I come back to what Julian said in the beginning, I mean, security is, is in the first commit, right? You need to have this as early as possible because then it's cheap and easy to fix. Uh, I haven't come up with the concept of how I can run my, my, my scans of things before uh, they pushed on. I have all these scanners, of course, running but in, in, in test, but then it's it's almost a little bit too late. I would like to have them as early as possible in in the chain. Yeah, what do you think about that? Well, go ahead, Andre. Yeah, I will just go quickly here, that you have two problems here. So you might have developer introducing the faulty library version, right? So the vulnerable library version. And then you want to scan and push. But yeah. then the list of CVEs is not static. We're always finding more and more and more new stuff in there. So which means that what you already got in production and it was initially green, now might yeah. become red because there was something exactly. else discovered. So the just continuous delivery pipeline, as it would like with static code analysis, right? You just do the static code analysis, or so you just run your unit test, unit tests are passing, and they're gonna be passing. Yeah. Because they, they don't change retroactively, hopefully, because I mean they would change if you don't track your dependencies well and you don't keep version of libraries and stuff like that. But um, not supposed to be. But here it's different. Here you discover new stuff within the image that it's already out there. So you probably will need to have a system that scan continuously Ex- yeah. existing images, uh, validate. They don't have anything. But, but, but I mean, 
can't you can't you scan the image registry? Because it's that image that you run. I mean, you have the image running in the registry, and it should be exactly that image running in production. So I mean, if you scan, yeah, 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 exactly. This is what you do. You could. Yeah. You, you could, in one way or another, just trigger the scan. And uh, another thing you could do is, is you could limit this uh, window while uh, containers out in the wild, right? So you could technically rebuild your base image and uh, all the containers inherited from it every week, inst- installing all the latest updates, making sure it's all nice and latest, and then just pushing it out, making sure that you rerolling everything that you have in there it might be it, it brings more operational effort but then it's harder to keep a foot in the door for the attacker since if everything is being changed every week it's much harder yeah. to maintain persistence yeah yeah but, but how, how do you structure your images do you have a base image and then base your other image on that base. So you have one base and you can change with that and then would that impact everybody else? Or do you always go and fetch uh, from an official image from, from Docker Hub? Uh, so that I have a, a good take on that because I spend a lot of time trying to uh, fix that problem. And the, the, there is uh, many variables, but one of them is I want the build to be secure and I want it to be fast. Yeah. And so the the idea is that you have this concept of uh, layers in containers. So what actually you're building is, uh, think of it as operation on top of operations, like a list of transaction of all the files, uh, the, all the files operation that needs to happen in order to build the container. Yeah. Uh, so it can be first install the dependency, then move uh, this configuration file there and then move the, the code here. And after, here's the command to run the application. This is usually how a, a Docker file looks like. But the good is the, the good idea is to use what they call multi-stage build. So you can create intermediate container containing most of your dependency already. So you have the base OS, you have your dependency, and on top of that, you have the code. And that's three layers. So the base image can be imported from, um, well, basically whatever you want. It's it's good to have them scanned because some of them are really infested with CVEs. Like you wouldn't believe the, the amount of vulnerability uh, an OS can contain. And so some image, they just use that one for the build. But... The idea is to run in production something that doesn't have uh, or has the bare minimum of the OS. There is many projects like that, like Alpine trying to do that, um, the DistroLess from Google trying to do that. Uh, Docker Slim is actually doing that on, on also. So the idea is that you you don't need the same image to build your container than you need to run your container or your application. And that's a yeah. very big difference. So the less code you have, the less vulnerability you have. And that's what you want in production. Yes. And and for those uh, building containers, you only need to scan them once because they're always, almost always the same. The rest is yourself that adds those dependencies. So for instance, the, the code dependency. And those needs to be scanned before 
they have been injected into the container. So you have like a code scanning service. There's plenty on the, you know, GitHub uh, or available. They just scan your code and ver verify the version number of the dependency against the database that contains the CVE. So there you have two parts. You have the, the first, the code scanning, and then you have the container scanning. Yeah. And when that's done, the, the caching mechanism is just like to, to build your, your containers the, the production, that's the ones going to run, first of all, is going to be very small because it doesn't have much things in it. And second of all, it only needs the, the application code that is already compiled and built because the build step, uh, the previous build, uh, build step has already built uh, the, has already compiled the code source and everything. So yeah. what, you, what you have at the end is an artifact and that artifact has been has been verified in many layers, and so it's much easier to check that one than to go and do everything all the time every time. And yeah. so you, you, the the best way I can think of is to cache the results and have them scan them once and reuse that one. And when you need to update that, you just update that one and like the base image, for instance, and have that scan and use it everywhere. So it becomes so, like I think there is almost like a game of you need an update uh, budget, you know, you need yeah. to spend time updating stuff all the time. But th that's just the reality of today. Like if you don't spend at least one day per week updating the stuff, it's going to be, it's going to very much uh, let you, it's going to accumulate over, over a year or something. And then you have to spend two weeks uh, spending, yeah. fixing all but, that. But, I mean, this is really interesting. What you're saying is I use one image to build your application. Yes. When the build is done, you inject it into another image that is only made for running it in production. Yeah. And yes. that image is really slim, serverless. Yeah, and you could do that with yeah. the Docker multi-stage builds, basically, which is very yeah. neat. You do the build in one stage and then just copy build results to the next stage that could be your production target container. I, yeah, I mean, that's really smart. But it also goes, I mean, sometimes you do... You do local builds because you're a developer and you build locally and testing. Uh, you need to find a mechanism for that as well, so you can locally test and build. Oh, but if you do the Docker multi-stage build, everything happens the same way. Ah, you do you, it you, also. You, yeah, you just run Docker build. And uh, another nice thing here is it also solves the problem of the build environment because yeah. your build environment is creating your build environment as part of your build process in the Docker. So the first stage of your multi-stage Docker build is setting up the build environment and then you just copy the result to the second image and then you can run that image locally and test it the way you like. And uh, that's very neat since uh, then developers don't need to you know, configure the build environment on their local machines you know, on other ways. Or if you're jumping between project to project, or like if you have like microservice to microservice and you have a, for different languages, you don't need to set up all those for different languages on your machine to test and build something if you need to patch something really quickly. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, great. Now I can like build my application. Let's come into the, the other part that's really uh, hard to figure out as well. I have my image and I, I'm going to push it to registry and then I'm going to run it in production. I mean, uh, Somebody use uh, Docker Hub and use tags, but we all know that tags is not immutable, it can be overwritten. So, somebody uses the SHA instead to create the unique 
tag, what you call it, that you can run and then verify uh, SHA when you're fetching the image. Uh, or do you use signing uh, when you sign the container and then verify on Kubernetes that, you, that it's the correct sign? Or maybe private registry when you can only push for the build and extract from the Kubernetes? What, what are your takes on this? I mean, it's, for me, it's so many different ways to, to store it. I don't really know which which to prefer. You want to take that one, Andre? No. Or should I? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so basically, I would recommend to do them all, but you don't have to do it all at once. You understand? Like, be, build your security, yeah. build the objective, and and try to reach it first. So you, you want signing of container, you want uh, the the private registry, you you want all those things. The more secure, the better. The yeah. the idea is really to um, implement security scanning at all the layers. So the yeah. code, uh, dependencies, um, then you have the container base image, build image, uh, production image. You, and then you, you have also your um, infrastructure. I don't know. It depends if you manage Kubernetes or, or, or VMs. Uh, it, it's a little bit of a difference there. But uh, basically, you security at every level. And yeah. there is one thing that I find that uh, developers struggle a lot is uh, if you build everything from source. Like for, for, for them, like uh, th this is like no. It's a big no because it's something they don't want to deal with. They, they just want, you know, Maven install or pip install or npm install. And, and they don't want to care. They like, uh, and that's why this uh, dependent building from source is actually a great source of, uh, of reusable um you know you can cache a lot of the results because some um the language don't implement the caching of dependency and so you end up pulling everything all the time and those take time i, I saw uh, maven build that was taking 20 minutes because they had to refetch all the artifact every time and so but if you build your container with the latest dependency uh, for yeah. your app just imagine it's like pulling a zip uh, on, on, from uh, pulling a container is much faster than pulling all the dependency and have the the you need CPU to resolve those dependency because it's a big tree and it needs yeah. to be parsed and and all those things. So I would say that the build time get tremendously improved the the total build time so from from code to production uh, has been improved by just uh, building from source and caching the result. Yeah. Does that make sense? Do do you understand the the whole yeah. process? Like I yeah, have, the, I have. There is actually a common issue with that, especially with the languages that does implement, you know, the management of dependencies by fetching them from somewhere else. It's like you're running in Docker. Your build is running in Docker, and mm -hmm. if the registry with dependency need any kind of authorization, oh, you're in trouble because you need to pass that secret into your yeah. Docker build somehow. It's generally not a big deal since you're going to discard the build image anyway. So it's not state, it's not uh, saved in the image layers anywhere. Since what's resulting image will be different from what, from the image that received the credentials. But it is a problem like, you know, SSH keys, AWS credentials, but passing those is complicated. I think the latest version of Docker 
allows you to pass as a sage agent into the Docker build, which is nice if you want to fetch. If you need to fetch, for instance, from GitHub, like if you're building Go, right? And you need to fetch yeah. some dependencies from there. And also like passing the STS credentials for AWS, it's another trick. You could have like 15 minutes. Yeah, I, I, STS credentials, pass those and use those. Even if they're being preserved somehow, they shouldn't, but if they, they are, still you haven't lost anything because they, by the moment they're out there, they're revoked. So. Yeah, I, I I took a different approach with that because I was really not comfortable having uh, credentials sitting in inside the containers. So the, the only way I found is to pull them at runtime. So what I do is basically encrypt them with KMS and store that in the bucket. And uh-huh. when the when the container boots, it just fetch them. Which takes like a few seconds usually, mm-hmm. and all the, the 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 hard part, and that's that's on every cloud provider. Like the real lock-in is never like the runtime; it's always the IAM. So how you deal with authorization and uh, access control and all those things, this is like so uh, cloud specific that you cannot migrate that uh, in in any way. Yeah, so to but deal how with... do you do with build dependencies? That's a runtime dependency, but I'm saying about the build dependence in order to build the application during the build Yeah, process. and I have I have steps to fetch those credentials at the beginning of the build and, uh-huh. and to destroy them at the end. So it, it's 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 a lot of dance. I would say it's like, oh, fetch this file, get access, you pass my service account here. And you, you have a lot of... Uh, it's like a dance that I would like love for that to go away, but no. there is not so much uh, I can no, do it. I, I, if you I want think, to secure pipeline, Docker is already solving part of that. You have SSH again passing, and they also have like a secret pass. Uh, yeah, I'm into that because I'm not using Docker build that side because I'm not using something called IMG, so like short term image, to build like a Docker less or you know daemon less at least. Yeah. So I don't need to have a remote Docker image, um, Docker, remote Docker server for builds. Since we're building like Docker and Docker, and I don't really want to see that Docker and Docker and that. Ah, that's a rabbit hole. We probably shouldn't be going in. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, if you're using Docker, Docker actually taking care of you. And uh, in the latest releases, there are ways to pass credentials semi-securely, but... Still, if you do so, make sure that you're passing temporary credentials, not anything permanent. Yeah, I, I think that's cool. Uh, also, I realize we're, we're forgetting the first step. I mean, we're talking about uh, building secure Docker images here, what to think about, but what actually about the server that builds the Docker image? Uh, are you using like your, your build server? I, I, I guess you're not using Docker Hub to build your images for you. Uh, it, it, that build server is like it has access to everything if, if you get a hold of that you can inject things during build time right uh, where are your thoughts on like where should you where should i put my build server is it like a production thing in, that in, important in, in your basement so no one can get to it Okay, it's locked down with a, <laughs> with a physical key and it looks and nobody can touch it. I mean, and the internet is connected and you bring all yeah, the yeah, yeah. on the flash drive. Yeah, access card in the board. I mean, 
I mean, you, you can. Uh, we have all these tools for for securing and working with the Docker when you build it. We have scanned from the image. We have uh, checking out what dependencies we add. We, we can check that the, our custom source code is fine by scanning that, and then we can sign this image and make sure that exactly what we build is also running. I mean, that that's great. What are your thoughts about the build server? Uh, I, I, think, I think it's a topic of a separate podcast. <laughs> I think so too. Build, build server. Yeah. And, and how and how you secure it? That's yeah, tough. basically, it's, yeah, that that uh, it, it's it's quite hard. I would say spin up new server and tear them down and have something that uh, is very elastic because you might have a lot of workload at peak hour. And yeah. during the night, nobody uses it. So it, it for cost management is also better. And I find a great link because a great link between security and cost management. Because when you, you build security, you actually dig deep into your infrastructure and who has access to what. Hmm. And that, that brings a lot of, uh, you know, cost management when you know who has access to what and who is doing what. Cost management is not so far away because you have all those data. Yeah. And so, but that is a, a, a for another podcast. I think we we talked a lot today. Yeah, uh, I think we we should uh, call it a day then, and uh, hopefully I have some more understanding about Docker security and, and what to do and what to not do. You have been listening to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias, Andre, and Julian. For more podcast and notes go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning in.